What would you do if you could go back in time? I only have one cup of coffee. No, it hurts. Oh, no. Definitely do a better job caffeinating, that's for sure. But I mean, even before that. I mean, even before October 2020. You know, before fashion trends even changed. I tried it on yesterday. I'm like, I can't wear this. I have cargo shorts on? What if you could go back to live in a simpler time? I'm not on Ryan's Wi-Fi anymore. How do you do a story on this? Internet. My internet's too slow. I can't look at all this. Well, and not be the only one there anyway. I live really close to it. Imagine swapping out that factual book on the shelf for an actual look yourself. Trading that class you're just trying to pass for a course right at the source. I think I've been golfing a really, really, really long time now. No, not that kind of course. Ugh. Oh god, that's awful. This week we return to Athens, Ohio for our 11th consecutive homecoming at Ohio University. Where time seems to stand still. How long has it been well, since you last had the it's yeah. been literally like 25 minutes. Oh my it's been really long. Okay. I mean, no, I'm not doing that. That's not doing crazy things like stealing your pictures. <laughs> and some things never change. <laughs> your, your laugh is either infectious or so annoying that you want to kill you. Well, some things change. What is 350 Chinese? What is it up to? Do you know it's what it's probably oh, it's like $10. Well, is it? Uh, I, it is? I thought it was, but I. Yeah. But it was up to over five bucks, though. 350 Chinese, where are you? And while some things remain a mystery, the real question is where's the Halloween decoration? Clorox wipes. Clorox wipes? There's nothing quite like history. But it's classic, right? So without further delay, come travel with us both near and far away to the todays of the yesterdays. It's time to explore a time that came before. From our own school grounds with the roads of the red bricks to those unknown cool little towns with backgrounds of different zip codes to add to the mix. Today we discover the world's most historic destinations that have grown fame and uncover the locations with the unknown name. So let's see where it all began. Because there's a time and a place for everything. And see, everything at one time began in a place. And because history repeats itself. And you can't fight it. I won't do that. So if you can't beat it, you might as well join it. Or you know, accept it. I'm on picture duty. <laughs> Again. Because it's important to remember where you've been. From now, people are looking at you left and right, like it's very funny. People are looking at you like weird, like you even put it on left and right. It's just seen what we're doing with you. And from the way back when, 
Welcome back to Purple Hood Adventures Podcast Season 3, Week 10. And as they say, the rest, well, the rest is history. Listening to Purple Hood Adventures podcast. I'm a travel obsessed entrepreneur working from my home in Ohio to connect travelers from all over the world and to help you make your one days a reality and stop living for the weekend. I seek constant adventure while maintaining an outwardly appearing normal life with a husband, a cat, and a full-time job as a remote speech-language pathologist. I live a real-life accidental comedy show as seen through the eyes of my trusty Mount Zion purple windbreaker as I make my way around the world and live a life of the unordinary but not the extraordinary. Assalamu alaikum, loyal podcast listeners. Those are the ones who give Purplehead Adventures episodes meaning that give my personal history. Um, you guys are the ones out there who might get my uh, my references to my previous episodes. If you all have noticed by now, you probably have if you've been listening for a while, that I love to insert favorite clips from seasons, um, sometimes from previous seasons, sometimes from this season, into my episodes. Um, and if you haven't noticed this, then you're probably either a new listener or you think I'm totally off my rocker with my seemingly randomness of my episodes each week. Um, Well, I mean, I guess I am off my rocker, literally. The other day, I literally tried to sit in an actual chair and, like, not do anything for five minutes, um, or at least not five things for five minutes, and um, five things at once, that is. And I think I made it all of, like, five seconds. See, that one was just from last week when I actually tried to sit still for, like, a nominal amount of time. (laughs) Anyway, um, as per usual, I found myself partaking in yet more activities this weekend. What else is not new, right, you guys? That Halloween costume store has been around forever. Oh, God. Halloween. Fucking village cupcake set. Oh, no. (laughs) Can we get this skeleton? No. Who wants a skeleton? A goat poncho? Oh god. Oh god, I need that. Oh god. Oh, that's right. My obsession with Halloween decorations at the Court Street CVS. (laughs) Every year, you guys, some things really do never change. Although, um, as you heard earlier, half the aisle that's normally filled with, like, cat skulls and spooky window art was actually replaced with Clorox wipes. Ugh, I guess so goes the way of the recent years, you guys. <laughs> so, um, got to keep those closets sterile, I suppose. <laughs> oh, clean out any skeletons. <laughs> oh, man, you guys, the festiveness around these parts is real. Oh, gosh. Um, okay, I do need to explain my introduction this week. Now, I said, I'm going to try to say this again. Um, Asulam alaikum. I, that's a mouthful. Asulam alaikum. Um, now, that is a greeting in the country ranked by U.S. News and World Report, um, amongst many other lists, to be the richest in history. So, what is this country mystery? Any guesses, anyone? Okay. If you guessed Egypt, you're right. Oh, you're in luck this week, you guys. There are no other lands. <laughs> Oh, yes, you guys, always switching things up. I mean, have you noticed that, like, my weak rhymes? 
Uh, my week number rhymes and also your capital of the week has been traveling around just a bit lately in different parts of my episodes. I mean, after all, this is a travel um, podcast, so that kind of makes sense. Um, and speaking of travel, as you heard, uh, my friends and my husband and I did travel back to Athens, Ohio this week for our 11th consecutive homecoming. It's pretty impressive, you guys. We're actually, we've gone every single year since we graduated. We've yet to miss one. Even last year, it was technically canceled, but we still all went down there sort of informally. And... Um, <laughs> that's where those villainous laughs came from, from my, my friend there. Um, he continues to do that today. That was in season two, um, episode 10. That was a year ago today on October 16th. Um, that was the last time we were in Athens, but we were back this time. And um, two years ago, by the way, on October 16th, I published an episode about schools around the world. So if you haven't listened to that one, I highly recommend it. Um, so I'm starting to run out of like life parallel themed options here, guys. <laughs> oh, kidding. <laughs> kind of not. Um, actually, it just so happens that Athens itself is a very historic town, not just in my own personal history. The first place I ever sideswiped anything. No. See all those columns? Yeah. That was the first thing I ever hit in my life. Not that I ever hit a lot, but on my first day in Gaffney. We'll put you up to this. I can even show you the tree root that I flew over. And that was when I knew like there was something wrong with me. But also Athens is known for its actual history, like its notorious Athens Lunatic Asylum established in 1874, which was later renamed State Hospital. Sounds a little more PC, I suppose. And um, it also had a pretty famous TB ward. I went there many times as a student myself. It's kind of like a rite of passage. And um, they kept like closing back off the entrances, but someone always found a way back in. And one night I like completely tore up my legs, you guys, crawling underneath the fence. That one was particularly difficult. I woke up in the morning, like not realizing like because it was dark the night before and it didn't really hurt that bad I woke up in the neck next morning and my legs were like <laughs> looked like somebody had like mauled them <laughs> oh the things I do to get inside haunted places you guys um also um it was the only place I ever actually caught a ghost on camera it's true you guys some people debate me on that one but if you're curious just message me and I'd be happy to share that with you um I'll probably end up getting lung cancer someday, even though I've never smoked a day in my life because of all the asbestos in there. You could literally just see it like flying around in there. And um, it just really never got old. I went in there like a million times. And it's so, it's so sad, you guys, because it's torn down now. And I still like to visit the grounds, even though it's literally just like a flat space, like of grass. Um, I've been there a million times. And um, I also like to go to the insane, the insane Asylum, which is also, it's a museum, I guess, on the first floor. Um, I've never really been in it. But um, it's kind of, uh, it's it's still very much abandoned. You can still peer up into the windows. It's really creepy, you guys. I like to go there at nighttime, no matter how many times I've been there. Can I go up to the TV? No, ward? no, not right now, man. Why? It's, it's not, it's really hot. It's, it's a no, no, no sign. I want to go see the TV no, ward. It's not there. I know, but I want to see where it was. You always walk by and say, you know, wait up. There's nothing up there. I, want to see, I know, There's I want to see the there. TV ward. I've seen it many times. It's grass still. It's hot, man. I know, but no. Well, I guess I like going there during the daytime, too. I'm really not very picky if it involves ghosts. 
Uh, this is one of my scheduled repetitions of ghostly encounters, I suppose. My poor husband has to go every single time we visit, as if he hasn't been enough times. Um, but anyway, by the way, you guys, I did actually intern. Well, I didn't intern. I volunteered at um, Appalachian Behavioral Healthcare when I was in school. It was for field study credits because I was a psychology major. Um, I used to um, volunteer there, and actually, I got to meet some of the patients that were in the original insane asylum across the way. Now, the original building, it's massive. It looks pretty spooky, you guys. In this little build, this little area called the Ridges, it's where all these buildings are. It's got a pretty dark history. There was a lot of, um, lots of lobotomies there, lots of uh, overgrown, um, like cemeteries and like blank label uh, tombstones and whatnot. So it's pretty interesting. If you ever go to Athens, I highly recommend you make a stop to the ridges if you love haunted history. And if you do decide to visit Appalachian Behavioral Healthcare across the Hawking River, <laughs> whatever you do, do not go in the dead of winter and uh, let there be black ice on the on the pavement and um, <laughs> completely fly over your own feet and land on your chin and have like a hemophiliac moment and have the uh, security guy witness you and uh, bring you in and then sit in front of a, a person that's interviewing you with like 10 bags of ice while blood is like dripping down your entire body. I can't make this stuff up, you guys. <laughs> Ow. Yeah, did I mention the struggle is real? <laughs> I think I said that once or twice. Anyway, today we are going to talk about historic towns and cities. Some are going to be like well-known cities that we can't leave out, and others are going to be kind of like less-known hidden gems around the world, kind of like Athens, Ohio. And this is going to be the best one yet because we're going to talk about a few highlights in all seven continents, and yes, that does include Antarctica. Don't worry, you guys, there will be a few honorable mentions that are U.S.-based at the very end, as always, since I know most of my listeners are probably from this country, so you'll be getting a few of those at the end. Um, and uh, as always, um, now I did spend a lot of time cropping out um, audio clips from this uh, past weekend, so be on the whereabouts or listenabouts for that, I suppose. Um, it's true, you guys. I was like sitting there with like headphones in my ears while I was like typing five things and like trying to read five other things for regular work. <laughs> this is what I do on a daily basis, you guys. This is like my real lives, um, <laughs> as in many lives at once. <laughs> Remember what I said about uh, trouble sitting not sitting and doing five things at once. Well, there you have it. Um, but disclaimer, by the way, I do take breaks, um, you know, and spend time doing things that are not connected to anything that is important. Remember, life is about balance. I think I'm doing so good. What? I think I'm doing so good. Why? Slips. It's muddy. <laughs> They're really wet leaves. What do you want from me? Yes, balance is important, even if you need to go slow. When I was anemic, I was also getting really tired really easily. Like, I couldn't do the normal runs I used to do. Stairs killed me. But don't go slow because you have next to no red blood cells to your name from running too much. <laughs> don't do that. Um, just go slow eating some insanely spicy chips from that spicy chip challenge and just uh, try not to get caught cheating. Got Round that? one. <laughs> oh God, grease cheating, grease cheating. Oh God, grease cheating. That's awful. That's awful. I didn't have to do the whole thing at once. No, that's awful. 
Yeah, guys, always keeping things interesting. Again, this is why I have a podcast. Um, so today we are going to be talking about historic destinations to visit around the world. And as usual, we'll be having our brand new listener travel game. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to be up to this week. Oh, get excited for this one, you guys. I know I am. As always, this is going to be a good one. And as usual, we'll have our uh, Kilimanjaro trivia question of the week. Now, guys, this is our final one. Oh, I can't believe it because next week is going to be our Kilimanjaro episode dedicated entirely to Kilimanjaro. Um, If you're just joining us each week, I've been playing an audio clip from our trek this summer up to Kilimanjaro, and I ask a trivia question about it. So all of those answers will be revealed next week. So if you can answer this week and remember it next week, that would be ideal because you'll find out if you're right or wrong. Oh, man, you guys, I cannot believe it's already week 10. All right, everyone. So speaking of history, um, by the way, did you guys hear about the new findings with um, Brian Laundrie? Yeah, it's pretty effed up. And um, speaking of laundry, um, it's definitely time for me to do mine because uh, I'm in my closet again and it doesn't smell so great in here. Smell it. Smell it. Smell it. <laughs> Just kidding, you guys. Lucky for you, odors do not transmit through audio. So, all right, everyone, let's get on with this and uh, turn those uh, abominations that are gross into some historic destinations, starting with ones that are close. Okay, we're going to take our first look back in time without making a rhyme. Oh, that's right, you guys. Always switching things up. (laughs) Well, I guess that was actually a rhyme, technically. Anyway, we're starting right here in North America, starting right in the USA. Now, we're starting with a... um, the place that began it all, and that's an Independence Hall, which is, yes, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution were signed. It's actually known as the birthplace of America. We can't talk about historic places without talking about Philadelphia for sure. Um, now, the building itself stood as a symbol of freedom um, from, with the original 13 colonies, and it's a, a beautiful red brick, brick building, if you can picture it, if you've ever been there. Um, you can check out the also the cracked Liberty Bell nearby. And And uh, there's lots of famous landmarks like um, the Betsy Ross House, which is the birthplace of the American flag, and also um, the President's House, where George Washington himself lived. That one's pretty cool. And also presidents after him. This was before the White House. The house was really around. So um, anyway, I took my husband for his birthday a few years ago. And um, let's just say that at 4 a.m. we had to get an Uber ride for our our plane ride back. It was an early morning flight. And uh, we got horribly lost. The people driving the car, well, there was one person driving the car, but she had a friend. And uh, they kept playing this song over and over again. It was the one that goes, cut it. You've got to cut it. And like, it just, they played it over and over again. So now every time I hear that song, I think about that horrible 4 a.m. experience where we were driving all over creation. Them bricks is way too high. You need to cut it. Your price is way too high. You need to cut it. And speaking of cutting it, let's talk about our next historic location that made the cut, and that's New York City. Ugh, you guys, I'm sorry I had to talk about the Big Apple, despite the fact that I actually despise visiting there. Um, I feel like everybody needs to go at least once. There's a lot of history there. Now you can visit the grounds of the World Trade Center. That's where the Memorial of the Two Towers stood, commemorating everybody that lost their lives. And there's actually two deep pools about an acre wide. Um, it's pretty big if you've ever been. 
Their largest uh, man-made waterfalls in North America, and every victim that lost their lives is listed there. It's actually really humbling, you guys. One of those things you don't really talk during. It's, um, I think everybody should see it at least once. Um, also, there's Ellis Island, which is the busiest and most well-known immigration station in the entire country. Um, it was used primarily between the 1800s and the mid-1900s. Um, you can also visit the Empire State Building and also the Brooklyn Bridge, which has a lot of 19th century history. Um, the Statue of Liberty, okay, you can't go to New York City without visiting that one. That was actually given to us by France as a symbol of um, just kind of freedom and general um, general well-being. So, um, and the reason it's green, by the way, it was not originally green. It's made of copper. That just happened to be um, from the wear and tear with the sun and, you know, the copper over time. I looked up the name of it. I think it's called Patina. It's the actual name for that. So that's why it's green, in case you were ever wondering. Um, all right, we're going to head south now to uh, our next historic place to know in Texas this time. It's the Alamo in San Antonio. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. I'm getting the shakes from rhymes. Now, this is the fort that attracts more than 2.5 uh, million visitors each year. And um, it's where the 13-day um, epic siege uh, took place in the Texas Revolution. It's where you can go and pay homage to the men who fought there and um, also the, the Mexican general... Um, Santa Ana's army included uh, humans like uh, Davy Crockett. That's a historic one. He's pretty famous. And also uh, the Native American burial ground. <laughs> oh yeah, anyone want to have a slumber party there overnight? <laughs> I'll bring my camera. Maybe I'll capture something. Um, also in San Antonio, there's a San Antonio Missions National Historic Park. Now that one's preserving Spanish frontier missions. There's also the Hot Wells of Bexar County. Now that one's interesting. It was once a school, then it was a hotel. Now it's ruins, but it once had uh, healing sulfur pools. That's really interesting. Oh, it's a hotel? Yes, it was a hotel at one time, and uh, it burned to the ground. Extremely hot. All right. Is it one chip? Yes, you guys, presumably the hotel burned down by an actual fire and not just the kind that occurs near your mouth after doing a hot chip challenge at homecoming. <laughs> so, okay, heading out west to San Francisco, California. Now, this historic place to visit is not complete without a trip to Alcatraz Island, is it? <laughs> so actually my trip uh, to San Francisco was not complete apparently because we did not go there because guys, listen, if you go to San Francisco, do not like not book your Alcatraz experience like years in advance. No joke, you have to book that really far in advance. Um, now this is actually off the coast of San Francisco. It's known as the Rock because it's um, an isolated, it's an isolated position out in the water. It's an old prison. It was once a military base turned into a federal prison, which housed a lot of famous criminals like Al Capone. And um, no one ever officially uh, escaped, according to legend. But um, some there were a lot of disappearances there. They presumably drowned, although no bodies were ever found. That's mysterious. I don't know, guys. When I was there, it didn't look like it was all that far from the shore, but. Um, then again, I swim like the English Channel most days of the week, so I guess it really wouldn't be that far for me. Um, also, you can visit the Golden Gate Bridge there and Fort Point from the 1800s. Um, there's the Cable Car Museum, and um, you can ride the trolley. That's pretty cool. That's where the cable cars originated. Also, there's the Full House House. That's always a classic. Um, you can go and view that if you're into that kind of thing. Angel Island, that's the Ellis Island of the West. Um, there's a lot of Chinese immigrants that came from there. And I will warn you guys, if you do go to San Francisco, 
whatever you do, do not bring your father who had his prime during the 60s and need to spend like an entire day of your trip at the Hate and Ashbury corner and uh, it's true you guys, he legit bought like 20 um, tie-dye shirts and souvenirs that day. Um, <laughs> if you've never heard of Hate and Ashbury, that's another um, place to visit in this historic town. It's um, basically the, uh, it's home to the summer of love in uh, 1967. That's an infamous hippie uh, social phenomenon. Have you ever heard of that? Um, also, if you go to San Francisco, don't freeze or almost fall off a trolley. <laughs> Okay, it's time to head to another historic city in North America, and that one is in Mexico. So, off we go. Sorry, you guys, I cannot talk about history without talking about the oldest city in North America. That's Mexico City. It's also the most populous metropolitan area in the Western Hemisphere. It was originally inhabited by indigenous groups from 180 to 980. Oh man, you guys, that one is much older than the United States. For anyone out there that needed to hear that, that didn't know that. Um, it's known for its, uh, I'm going to try to say this right, the Capultepec Castle. That's an 18th century castle which housed a, a bunch of Mexican presidents up until around 1939. It's also known for the Basilica de uh, Santa Maria de Guadalupe, which is a famous church located on a site which supposedly the Virgin Guadalupe appeared in in 1531. Talk about um, paranormal activity, I suppose. Um, also, you could visit the National Palace. That one was occupied by Hernan Cortes, which is a Spanish uh, explorer who conquered the Aztecs. So, if you want to think about uh, good places to go in the oldest um, Mexican city, there you have it. It's a joke. Tequila. And last but not least, we're headed to the big country north of us that we can't ignore and talk about Trinity, Newfoundland, and Labrador. That one's in Canada, you guys. This is one of the most historic places in the country. Its history spans about 500 years. And um, you guys, uh, it's one of those smaller towns that's uh, maybe more out of the way. Um, the harbor was once used by ships from the 16th century. You can also visit the Castle Hill uh, National Historic Site, which is a stone fort used in important battles with the British and the French back in the day. You can also visit the Wooden Boat Museum and learn about uh, the culture, the cultural traditions and also the first boats that came around. That one sounds interesting. Uh, you can visit uh, the Pirate's Path Trail. That sounds really cool. I like the names there. Um, you can get a glimpse of Newfoundland's oldest settlements. It's got some beautiful scenery. Picture time. Oh yes, many good photo ops there, I'm sure. Um, you can also visit the Viking Port of Trades. It's really interesting. Lots to do there for sure, you guys, if you're into that kind of history. But um, anyway, guys, I do have to move on. Uh, those are just a few snapshots of history around North America. Um, there's just so many to talk about, you guys. Um, but I recommend that you just explore and head to some city or town. And with that, we have our first continent down. Okay, today, no matter where you are, you have a chance to become an actual star. Yes, we're playing none other than historic travel pawn stars today, since our theme is history, and um, we're going with specific items that are related to our specific topic or our travel destination that we talk about. So, here's how this works if you've ever seen pawn stars. And by the way, guys, I don't love pawn stars. I know that's a blasphemy. It seems to be kind of a theme, but um, I'm not great at guessing how much things cost, but a lot of people love it, so we're going with that today, and it goes for my theme. 
But um, if you've ever seen it before, you know that people come in off the streets and they bring in what they think is maybe an antique item or maybe not or whatever it is, and they try to sell it. And uh, it'll be worth more money if it's more antique or more rare. If it's not worth that much or if it's not authentic, they might not uh, want to buy it or maybe they will give you like a dollar for it or something like that. So that's kind of how the game works. Um, so if you guys can guess within a certain range of how much of the specific item is worth, you get the money for that item. So hopefully by today you can all afford uh, to invent an actual time machine so that you can make it back to these historic places. <laughs> That's our hope anyway. Alright, so number one, since we just talked about the U.S., we're going with George Washington's funeral coin today. Now this supposed coin is actually a metal. Um, it actually has a little hole in the top that's meant for like a string or a chain so that he can wear it uh, around his neck. Um, presumably he's not wearing it still, guys, or... Uh, <laughs> Maybe if you have that item, just maybe don't tell us where you got it or how you acquired acquired that particular thing. <laughs> so, uh, but if you can guess within the $1,000 range of this price, you guys get to get the value of it. You get the value of the, the metal or the coin there. Um, so I guess if that's a hint, uh, it's at least $1,000, right? So if you guys can guess within the $1,000 range, how much do you think George Washington's funeral coin is worth? Okay, this is no time to laugh because we need to head now to the Earth's bottom half because we're headed to South America now, guys. Yes, we're headed to historic towns below the equator. So the first that I have in store is Quito, Ecuador. Now, this one's believed to be the oldest continuously inhabited city in South America and also one of the top-ranked preserved uh, cities in history despite enduring a major earthquake back in 1917. It's also one of the first cities to be declared a World Heritage Site, fun fact. And uh, some places you can visit that are popular are, I'm going to try to say this in Spanish, you guys, don't laugh at me, uh, Fundacion Iglesia de la Campania. <laughs> I hope I said that right. That's <laughs> uh, the last I'm going to try to pronounce anything, at least for the next minute or so. Um, but that's a Jesuit church with a broken colonial art all over. It's really pretty, guys. I was looking at the pictures. There's also the largest church in Quito with the stained glass windows. Um, there's also Old Town. That's pretty historic. You can explore the general ruins of the old um, Inca city. It's a great historic city for sure. Like I said, one of the top. Alright, now uh, we're moving into our next uh, historic city on the list, which is Buenos Aires, Argentina, and it's definitely not to be missed. So um, this one has seen some pretty major historical shifts since its founding in 1536. Um, you can visit the Plaza de Mayo, or I guess it's Plaza de Mayo, and it's sort of like the epicenter of the history of this particular city. So after Argentina's revolution of independence, after that took place, um, Eva Perón, I guess that was the president at the time, addressed the nation there. I guess it was uh, Casa Rosada. <laughs> trying these Spanish names, you guys. Um, you can also visit um, Avenida Corrientes. <laughs> guys, I need to go back to Spanish class. Which is an area aligned with uh, historic theaters and bookstores and restaurants. Oh my. Remember when there used to be a restaurant there? And then after that, you can head to Manzana de la Luces, which is a literally illuminated block. It's filled with historic buildings from the 17th century and also tunnels that are dug underneath the ground. Uh, hey, maybe they were trying to avoid the sun. I'm definitively sunburned. 
And the third city on our South America list is none other than Cartagena, Colombia. Yes, you guys, this one is definitely on my bucket list, on my list of next for sure. It's another World Heritage Site. It's filled with mansions and churches and plazas. It's basically the best preserved uh, Spanish colonial town on Earth. You can visit Las Bodevas, which are these little dungeons. That looks really cool. There's another old town there. That seems to be a theme around those parts. Um, and that's like visiting like an outdoor museum in itself. Very, very quaint little um, city there for sure. And uh, you can visit, okay, I'm going to try to do another Spanish word, <laughs> Castillo San Felipe de Barajas. Barajas? Barajas? <laughs> Guys, I need to go back to Spanish class or something. Um, i got to get out of these Spanish-speaking countries. I can barely pronounce things in English in case you couldn't um, decipher that. <laughs> so let's move on. Um, that's one of the most uh, important Spanish fortresses in the world. And you can explore, actually, the tunnels underground and also the stone walls. Guys, that one looks awesome. I, there's so much to do there, guys. Um, I, there's so much more than I even talked about. There is. Are you serious? Yes. But like I said, you'll just have to either pick up that travel book on your shelf or come explore for yourself. Did you all sell George's funeral coin okay? <laughs> That's a weird phrase. I feel like I've, I've probably never said that phrase in my life, you guys. <laughs> always, always saying something new. Um, and more importantly, did you receive asking price for it? And if you guess within $1,000 of $5,000, because that's how much it's worth, congrats, you can now afford a few plane tickets to Cartagena and back. So, <laughs> yes, you guys, $5,000 is how much that one's worth. Seems like it should be worth more than that. I don't know. Just saying. Seems kind of important anyway. First president of the United States. All right, moving on to our next item. Since we were just talking about really old battles and wars um, and forts and things like that, we've now stumbled upon an actual battle axe. And just to be sure I knew what that was, I Google imaged it, guys, and it looks like it came straight out of the Game of Thrones. Oh, man, you guys. So how much... Uh, can you imagine having that, by the way? How much would you be willing to pay for one of those bad boys? Um, so if you can get within the $100 range of this one, it's yours. Okay, just don't come near me with any of that because uh, you all know how um, how I tend to magnetize my poor um, unsuspecting legs to uh, a few mishaps. You never know what's going to happen. Okay, we definitely need to hop on board a plane and end up on Europe's mainland. Yes, you guys, we're headed to Europe this time. So Europe is pretty much the epicenter for historic places, so picking three is definitely going to be a challenge for me. Um, I know I've already talked a lot about major cities, so I decided to go with some more off-the-beaten history book ones for Europe, since you presumably already know about places like Rome and France and such. So we're going to start with uh, one of my personal bucket lists next, and that's Dubrovnik, Croatia. So um, I actually just arranged a trip there for one of my clients. And in doing all this research, I will say, holy Croatia, it looks amazing, you guys. Sometimes it's hard being your own independent travel agent, by the way, because the more places you research, the bigger your list gets for your bucket list, I should say. Oh, man, you guys, if you want to read more about this and you want, like, a visual of this podcast episode, you can go to purplehoodadventures.com and search for it. I've written all of this down um, so you can find it there. But uh, Dubrovnik is actually, it was founded by Epidurum refugee, refugees, um, that sounds like an epidural for some reason, 
Um, it's known as the Pearl of the Adriatic. I can see why. Just look at the pictures. Um, there's another old town there, just like in many of the other historic towns we talked about. It's filled with historic uh, medieval buildings and charming little limestone streets and stone walls and Baroque-style churches. Oh my gosh, you guys. There's also Locrum, which is an island with gardens and a monastery. And um, I'm going to try to say this correctly, you guys. Um, Lovergenic, I guess. Oh God, you guys, I thought it was safe from pronunciations getting out of Spanish-speaking countries, but that's a historic um, fortress with a panoramic views. Picture time. You can also explore the walls of Dubrovnik itself and also visit Stratum Historic Esplanade, so lots to do there. All right, guys, but we need to move on to a place that I have been to see, and this one is in Italy. Okay, guys, it's Pompeii, and yes, I'm aware that this is not exactly open for business any longer. Might be slim pickings for places to stay, but uh, fortunately for you, Naples is only 16 miles away, so you can stay there, and guys, no joke to this day, um, Pompeii is definitely the most extraordinary place I've ever been in my entire life. It's a ruined city destroyed by ash from an eruption of uh, Mount Vesuvius back in 79 AD, and there's ruins of streets and also houses and amphitheaters and brothels. That was really weird, the brothels. <laughs> um, and also uh, the bathhouses and even people. So yes, you guys, there's even people frozen in time, covered by dry ash, it's crazy. Um, but I will warn you, if you do visit Pompeii, whatever you do, do not bring your motion sickness spouse as you travel around winding roads in a rather a small bus with other humans. <laughs> so don't do that, good memories, right? Um, okay, moving on to our final European location to be in C, and that is what in the Aegean Sea. Oh yes, guys, to be exact, we're talking Santorini. Now, this one is in Greece. This is another one um, on my personal bucket list. I feel like I have a lot of those. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is one that you've probably seen pictures of, and they literally look like it, the city looks like it came straight out of a picture, um, probably because... Well, it's straight out of a picture, or at least right now it is. Um, Santorini is also, um, it was also devastated by a volcanic eruption in the 16th century, and it's now known for its rugged landscape and overlooks and cliffs and little cubed houses. Um, you can also visit the ancient Thera, which is an 11th century BC Dorian settlement remains, and also there's uh, the Three Bells of Thera, which is a famous Catholic church with a bell tower. And there's also, I'm going to try to say this one, Akrotiri, I guess it is. Uh, it's an archaeological site. It's known as the Pompeii of the Aegean Sea. So it's kind of like Pompeii, but in the Aegean. And it's um, definitely some well-preserved structures covered by uh, volcanic ash, kind of like in Pompeii. Anyway, guys, those are some places where you should definitely head if you love history in Europe. You know what it is. It's third down. Actually, picking those three places wasn't all that difficult after all. You might say it was even easy but not quite as easy as taking candy from a baby. Listen to what I did. So I picked up these pieces of candy, and I felt bad because Luke was also getting them, and so I really wanted this Reese's Cup. So I picked up the Reese's Cup and like 10 other pieces of candy I didn't want, and then I was handing him the other pieces of candy, and I was going to keep the Reese's Cup, and he grabbed the Reese's Cup, like, I can't take it. He saw right through your nonsense. He saw right through my nonsense.
Okay, since we're already in Europe and kind of landlocked with Asia, I suppose we should head there real quick before going to check on our battle axe. Now, our first destination here I must talk about is one that I have been before, and it's a place that I have myself been able to explore. So we're talking about Siem Reap, Cambodia, and guys, no joke, I'm not just biased because I've been there, but this is actually home to the world's largest religious monument in the world. This is Angkor Wat. It's true, I have a shirt that says Angkor Wat. It's literally my favorite shirt. I wear it like every day. Um, I have actually been there, like I said, and now this temple, um, it began as a, a Hindu monument. It later became Buddhist in the 12th century. Um, there's also many other historic temples and ruins all over the area, like the Bayan Temple with the faces in the rock or Te Prom. And guys, literally, you can just ride around a tuk-tuk all day and go, like, temple hopping. It's kind of what you do there. But again, <laughs> whatever you do, I know I've talked about this before, but I must reiterate, guys, do not go, like, in the middle of the day to Anchor Wat. Try to go at sunrise when everybody else does. It gets really hot there, you guys, and I will tell you right now, um, <laughs> my phone actually melted. No joke, you guys. It looked like it had a stroke. Half the, half the screen stopped working, if that tells you anything. And, um, I had, like, so much water, it didn't even seem to matter. And, uh, I literally almost passed out in line. Yeah, that was a rough day, you guys. My tuk-tuk driver, like, felt really bad for me. He, like, brought me all this water the next day because my face was, like, beet red. He was, like, laughing at me. Um, anyway, also, um, <laughs> I will say this. Um, if you do decide to take the tuk-tuk, which everybody does, um, make sure you remember your driver. I remember I forgot what my driver looked like because they kind of all looked similar. And um, I was going around waving to every driver to see if they would recognize me. <laughs> and if they didn't, I was just being a friendly waver. And if they did, well, that must have been my driver. <laughs> That's true, you guys. I can't make this up. My internet's too slow. I can't look at all this. Okay, moving on to Varanasi, India. This one is known as the City of Lights, or Kashi, known locally. Kind of sounds like the cereal, but it's a sacred city. It's one of the oldest in India. It goes back about 3,000 years, and it's significant for its religious destinations for pilgrims and also international travelers. And um, one of the famous Hindu temples you can visit there is Sri Kashi Vishwanth Temple, I guess is what it is. Or you can go to uh, the Riverside Steps for religious ceremonies known as... Uh, Dash Dashash went got <laughs> guys you guys I thought that the Spanish speaking countries are rough but little did I know what I was up against oh man this is gonna be a long day um, also it's known for a lot of other historic places to see and also Hindu cremation sites Okay, here's our last Asian city that you must go, which is none other than Pero. Now, this one's in Bhutan, you guys. I picked this one because it's only 10 miles from the tiger's nest. That's what it is in English. Um, known locally, it's called Pero Taksung. It's a monastery. It's pretty well known. It literally means tigress lair. That's what it translates into. But it's a sacred Himalayan Buddhist site on a cliff, one of the uh, 13 tiger's nest caves in Tibet, where Buddhist guru, I'm going to try to say his name, you guys, Paman Sumbhava. <laughs> I looked that up on how to pronounce that, but I'm sure I'm still butchering it somehow. But just know that he's pretty well known. In fact, uh, this guy was known to be, um, they call him the protector saint of Bhutan. He was known to be the one that um, pretty much brought Buddhism to Bhutan. So he's, like I said, very well known, very historic guy. Um, so you have to go here for sure if you visit Pero. And even if you don't go there, or if you do go there and you still want to see some more sites, there's more Buddhist temples all around, lots of historic buildings, just lots of uh, great Buddhist history there. It's just, it's very Buddhist, in case I didn't reiterate that enough. But um, somebody should definitely credit that uh, Paman Sumbhava guy, maybe give him some candy or something. All right, I 
Alright, are you guys alright? Oh, I guess you will be if you get that battle axe sold. Now, did you guys determine how much that might be worth within the $100 range? If you guessed $400 to $600, you win because it was $500. Yes, apparently if you want to kill King Joffrey, you got to pay $500. Although, uh, he was poisoned. It's only half a chip, too. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, it's really bad. Maybe you're only supposed to have a quarter or less. Oh, it feels so good. Can I see the pictures? I need, I need a distraction. Oh yeah, maybe you don't really need $500 for that one. I guess that one's in the tongue of the beholder, right guys? All right, moving on to our uh, our next item here. We might be trying to rid ourselves now of perhaps a little debt from a lawsuit that we've incurred uh, with a little uh, battle axe mishap, if you will. So since we were just talking about India, we're now at the uh, Taj Mahal sunken treasure. We have that in our possession now. This one's from 1702. It's a well-preserved bag of coins left at the seafloor from a shipwreck in the Great Bass's Reef. Now there's actually only three clumps of treasure, two of which are in museums. Oh God, you guys, how much is this one worth. Um, so this time you guys have a little more leeway. You have uh, within the $10,000 range to get this one correct. Yeah, no surprise there. Um, Got to load up on this for sure. This is going to be an expensive one. So um, see if you can hit this nail on the head. Not literally though, guys. We can't afford any more lawsuits. Not, not this time anyway. It's not worth it. Um, but do you guys know how much the Taj Mahal sunken treasure is worth? As you sit there and contemplate that Indian wonder, another continent is up to the plate, and that is Land Down Under. And yes, you guys, that's my favorite continent. It's Australia. And guys, I'll tell you right now, we're not talking Sydney or Melbourne today, because as luck would have it, I did travel the entire continent, mostly by myself. So fortunately for you guys, I have a little insight on some real historic gems that you never get to see. And with that, we begin with Coober Pedy. Oh man, you guys, this is in South Australia. Literally one of my favorite places I've ever been to date. Now this one is a little bit out of the way. And by out of the way, I mean it's like 530 miles away from uh, Adelaide, which is like the main city around those parts. But it's definitely worth the history lesson and also the underground buildings. It's true, you guys, even my hostel was underground. And one advantage of traveling solo there is I had a chance to meet a couple who invited me back to their house and they showed me their little underground house. It was so cool, you guys. No joke, the husband was like showing me this little room. He's like, yeah, I'm just digging out my wife a closet. <laughs> he was like digging a, a hole in the wall and it was this closet space for his wife. I thought that was really interesting. But it's the largest opal-bearing region in the world. It produces over 80% of Australia's opal. And at one point, about 150 million years ago, it was covered by ocean. So um, in a nutshell, or shall I say, a seashell, silica eventually formed and opal formed there over time. So originally, um, this kind of area was an aboriginal hunting and gathering kind of grounds. Um, but today, um, it was founded pretty much around 1915 when a 14-year-old boy found like a lot, or I, I almost said limestone, gemstone. Um, I guess there was limestone before that gemstone and I guess that's when uh, inhabitants start moving in they realize they could get some opal there and um, I will say um, the earlier days of opal mining um, they just they had to do a lot of manual labor there's not a lot of automatic machinery like there is today they had to use picks axles back in the day sounds like a lot of labor lots of uh, physical activity for sure 
Anyway, nowadays, guys, most inhabitants live underground due to the extreme temperatures. It is a desert, so it does get pretty hot during the day and pretty cold at nighttime. There's even little underground churches. Guys, I could literally go on about this all day. It was one of the one of the coolest places I've ever been to date. And by cool, I don't mean like a temperature, although it probably does get pretty cool in the winter, but um, interesting to say the least. So, all right, we're staying in actual historic outback now of Australia. We're headed north a bit to the Red Center. This is Alice Springs. I've also been there. This was actually uh, where I met Annika. She was the guest on my show last week, if you remember her, but it's a major town. And by town, I mean, town with the quotes that I'm making with my fingers that you can't see, but it's the closest one to Uluru Rock. That's that famous rock in the middle of Australia. It's still about five hours away from there, if that tells you anything at all, and it is still just a town. It's literally the same size as Athens, Ohio. That's my college town that I just went to, if that tells you anything. I speculated it was about the same, the same size, and I looked it up, and sure enough, it was. Same population. But I visited this little uh, museum, this little historica outdoor village there. It had at one time the telegraph station, which I walked to from my hostel. It's pretty interesting. Um, it was originally an Aboriginal land, much like a lot of Australia, but eventually it was discovered by John. I guess his name was John McDougall Stewart. That was a little easier to say, being in English. <laughs> um, it was in 1862. He was mapping out European settlement locations, and Stewart, you guys, is a big guy. He was. Uh, he has highways named after him, by the way. It was like some of the only highways I remember. It was the Stewart Highway. If you go to Australia and you drive it all, you probably know what that was. But um, Alice Springs was known for um, its telegraph station, like I said. It even had like police quarters and blacksmith shop and a kitchen and battery rooms. Like all, It was like a whole little town, you yeah, guys. Pretty interesting. But eventually the station became like a bungalow for education for children. And uh, then it became an army base and eventually it became a historic reserve. So it's got undergone a lot of changes. And um, by the way, you guys, um, if you do decide to visit Alice Springs um, and you're wondering who Alice is, I will say right now, I was wondering this myself. She was the wife of Charles Todd, who was, uh, he, he actually, I guess, won the government tender to construct the, uh, the telegraph line. So that's, uh, he named it after his wife. How thoughtful of him. And uh, disclaimer, if you do go to Alice Springs uh, and you, you do decide to go seek out food by yourself, whatever you do, do not spill uh, crimson red beet hummus directly on your white pants and then get lost on the walk home and have to be in public any longer than you have to. <laughs> Hypothetically, anyway, you guys. <laughs> at least it was dark. <laughs> oh, man, you guys don't laugh at me. <laughs> Anyone ready to escape the heat of Oz? We're far enough south now in Australia that I suppose that would be doable because Antarctica is nearly viewable. And yes, you guys, um, there is history in Antarctica too. You can visit the whaling station on Deception Island. That was an abandoned location after a volcanic eruption in the mid-1900s. You can also visit the nuclear power plant at McMurdo Station that closed due to, um, to say a few problems with Arctic temperatures. You can go visit the site of that. You can visit the Ice Cave at Inexpressible Island. Guys, I don't know who came up with the names of these things, but um, maybe they had a brain freeze or something. Um, but this one's marked by seal bones, and it was the site of the British expedition in 1912, which didn't quite go over so well. They were stranded there in the winter. Doesn't sound all that fun to me. You can visit Amundsen's tent, which was left by Norwegian explorers. Now, the tent was... It's permanently buried underneath the snow now. It's from markers that they put there in 1911 as a, a marker of achievement for reaching the South Pole. 
And um, they, they left their flag and their tent there to um, <laughs> prove that they did this. Guys, I don't know about you, but um, if I were an explorer, I think I'd stick to areas that uh, I could move my fingers in. Um, <laughs> either that or warm up with a nice bowl of soup. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Gotta have my soup, you guys, even in the summertime. I want beef, like, in I just usually opt to make something better than chicken noodle. Oh well, I guess I just have to make my own. Do you have anything at home to like, like make your own soup then? No need to make things overly complicated, right guys? I mean, after all, you may have just made $700,000. Yes, that's right. That's how much the Taj Mahal treasure you just hopefully sold is worth. And if you guessed within 690000 to 710000 it's yours. Sorry, guys. I know that one was harder, but um, $10,000 is a lot of money already to be off by. So anyway, um, just in case you're still broke and you didn't get that one, um, you definitely need to make some quick money fast. Um, well, fortunately for you, you found a 1930s slot machine. Sounds kind of cool. Um, you want a few bucks from that, uh, but a few bucks is, uh, that was a lot back in the 1930s, not so much now, but um, now it's time to sell that machine. Um, and if you can get within the $1,000 range again on this one, you just may be able to pay your bills this month. So how much was that 1930s slot machine worth? And we're up to our honorable mentions for our U.S.-based historic cities, as promised. Yes, you guys, if you're still looking to save a few bucks on airfare because you've uh, been playing a few too many uh, Pawn Stars games lately, um, my U.S. honorable mentions include places like Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. That's where the Battle of Gettysburg took place. New Orleans, Louisiana. Sorry, guys, you know me. I had to squeeze that one in there somewhere. It's the birthplace of jazz, lots of um, southern history, lots of uh, French history. Um, Charleston, South Carolina, that's another one of my personal favorites. It's like another, it's like another New Orleans. The architecture is amazing, pretty historic during the Civil War period. Uh, Annapolis, Maryland, that was our nation's first capital before D.C. We've got Deadwood, South Dakota. That one is really interesting and popular during the gold rush. That's where you can find the graves of uh, Calamity Jane and Wild Bill. I've been there for sure. Um, that was an interesting place to say the least and definitely a hidden gem. And uh, also there's slot machines like every establishment, <laughs> fun fact. Um, and last but not least, we have Boston, Massachusetts. Now that one is uh, basically a city of American first, lots of history there. Um, and it's also home to the country's oldest ballpark. It's called uh, Fenway Ballpark. And um, if you love sports, um, you love playing sports or watching sports, um, definitely visit Boston. I'll try to kick this one. Hold on. All right, I got her good. Oops, uh oh, uh oh. Well, if you're not good at sports, I guess you can just go see what the ballpark is all about. So there you have it. Uh, a few more U.S. honorable mentions to check out.
Okay, please tell me you sold that penny slot. That would really help you financially a lot. Okay, so if you guessed between $400 and $2,400, you're right on because it was indeed $1,400. Yes, that's been $1,000, you guys. Um, so a little more affordable definitely than that treasure. But uh, once again, the real treasure is that you managed to get through my Pawn Stars game alive, even after potentially having robbed a grave, had a, a lawsuit against you, um, having Asian treasure that you can't sell, and potentially a big useless box of 1930s coins on your hands. So um, just don't forget to take pictures of your experiences. Of course you wouldn't want to end up having the shakes there on top of everything now, would you? I'm not doing okay, you guys. I, I see you like shaking over there. I'm like, I'm like, you need to talk to somebody about this. I do need to talk to yeah, pictures are definitely worth a thousand dollars. No more on that though, guys. Alright, so um, with that, our game is complete. I do hope you pass my game with flying footballs. Wait, did we hit all seven continents? Seems like we might be missing one. Maybe even one I visited this year. Oh yeah, we forgot to talk about the place where humans began. How's that for history? We're talking Africa. Yes, you guys, we cannot talk about history without talking about where it all began. After all, none of those other places would exist without humans to invent them. We're starting right in Lalabella, Ethiopia. Now that one was built between the 17th and 13th centuries. It's known as the New Jerusalem. And it's one of the most historic places in the entire world, filled with winding tunnels and courtyards and churches. We're next headed to the Great Mosque of Jenny in Mali. Now that one was made entirely out of earth. It originally was built in the 13th century and served as festival grounds. That sounds like a fun place to visit. And then we're headed, of course, to Egypt. Yes, the most historic country in the entire world, and also your capital this week, which is indeed Cairo. Yes, that's the um, this week's capital. That's the capital of Egypt, Cairo is. This is also where you might fly in to see the Pyramids of Giza. Now, those are um, one of the seven world wonders of the world. And uh, they're old relics of uh, Egypt's old kingdom filled with tombs dating back to 4,500 years ago. Man, you guys, you thought those old uh, neon-colored bathrooms at the good old Highlander Motel in Athens, Ohio were old. I'm really glad that Highlander redid their bathrooms a little bit. It's not so gross in the tub. And that leads us to our final historic city in Africa. We're talking Kilwa Kisiwani in Tanzania, built back in the 14th century by a sultan there near um, the ruins of the Great Mosque of Kilwa. Now, it's a national historic landmark. It's also very important as an old trade city. So. There you have it, you guys. There was my uh, African historic highlight or two to share. So now all you have to do is book your flight and get there. The real question is... And speaking of Tanzania, what a perfect way to end our episode with your final ever Kilimanjaro audio clip and trivia question. Oh, so our original guide there, guide number two, he got a little sick this morning. So um, one of the porters came along with us, the toilet porter. So he's cleaned all the toilets. So I'm like, oh, great. He's but um, he was great. Um, he ended up, like, really helping me along. He carried my backpack for a little bit because 
it was pulling on my head and my head was like throbbing like no other. Um, he was super helpful, super nice. He got out my hand warmers. Um, there was this girl there like crying hysterically, like just, my, my fingers are so good. They were like, does anybody have hand warmers? And I'm like, I do. So I gave her my hand warmers. I still don't think she made it to the top unfortunately, but, um, I know how she feels, which is why I came with so many hand warmers. Um, anything else you want to add about that? Okay. So then we scrambled to the bottom. Dan broke his walking pole because I went too fast. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to get to the bottom. Um, <laughs> I have a picture of him sitting on the ground. He doesn't even know it. No. <laughs> with his broken walking stick. I took it very um, discreetly and stealthily. All right, everyone, are you ready for your final Kilimanjaro trivia question ever? Oh, man, you guys, I can't believe it. Um, so remember, keep your answers in your head until next week. That'll be our second to last episode of our season, October 23rd. So try to remember um, what you responded with. And um, like I said, you have the answers will be revealed from all the weeks next week, next Saturday, a week from today. So... Alright guys, so since this is our grand finale Kilimanjaro question, um, I saved the most important one for last. So we were pretty lucky to make it to the top. Um, I will say not everybody does and um, I will say that I brought those hand warmers because I knew myself and um, thank God I did because I don't know where I'd be today without them. As you heard, some other people didn't think so, um, really didn't think about them at a time. Luckily I had extras. Um, also we had to have uh, our pull socks taken every day. We had like nightly and morning health checks every single morning just to make sure we were going to be okay. And actually I'm going to be a pull socks for Halloween. <laughs> that should be interesting. Oh guys, I don't know. I got to go to the craft store and figure out how I'm going to pull off that one. But anyway, what is the overall success rate for hiking to the top to the actual summit of Kilimanjaro? It's not as high as maybe you would think, but, um, uh, if you can get within a 20% range, yes, it kind of ranges depending on the route, but considering all of the routes, what is the average success rate? Remember, if you can get within 20%, the average success rate of summiting all the way to the peak of Kilimanjaro. Speaking of history, how did you all enjoy our little blast from the past today? Historically speaking, anyway. Hopefully no one had any technical problems or wardrobe malfunctions along the way. And if you did, oh well, it's in the past, as they say. And what's in the past will never truly stay around, but it awaits to be uncovered because the world is vast and awaits the day to be found and discovered. So as you're coming back from homecoming, touching down on that runway, or running away with a touchdown, may you never forget to learn your lesson. Because the more you yearn for knowledge, the more we know, and the more we learn beyond college, the more we grow no matter where we go. And when we wonder about the world, we wander about to the world wonders. To the civilization of Cairo that came before, to the Halloween decorations of that Athens, Ohio store. To that mysterious tomb or ceremonial stair, to the curious underground room 531 miles from anywhere. And from the heyday of Pompeii to all the old glories and untold stories. The ones that you'll hear about the frontier or that pioneer with your own ear. And then, then your own stories when you return to your alma mater yet one more year. Because it's the experience we have from within that counts to the places we've been with ample amounts of recounts to the new places we can't even begin to pronounce. Just take the time and picture the many possibilities because quite possibly it's picture time. Just take many. 
So until next time, fellow historians and students of the world, don't forget to live life on the educated side, the historic side, the traditional side, the classic side, and the old-fashioned side, even if your fashion is slightly on the old side. And as usual, don't do anything I wouldn't do, unless it's, of course, have difficulty outsmarting children, and you would be doing this in the first place due to your sugar addiction. Have trouble with garage columns in your college car and tree roots in your college running days. Subject your poor husband to your scheduled repetitions of visits to see Halloween decorations and vacant patches of grass in the ridges. Introduce your chin to the pavement immediately before an interview or red beet hummus to your white clothes right before you go in public. Have trouble with facial recognition and sun in foreign countries. Deplete your red blood supply or accidentally attempt suicide on a spicy snack. With everything else, don't do anything I wouldn't do, if that makes sense. See you next week. <laughs> this is Marie Elena, and you've been listening to Purple Hood Adventures Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our journeys today. If you think you'd like to hear more and you want to stay updated on the whereabouts of an accident-prone purple windbreaker, or if you just like to live the life of adventure through your earbuds, or maybe you enjoy restraining having milk coming out of your nose buds every week, don't forget to subscribe to my channel. Otherwise, you can check me out on my website at purplehoodadventures.com. Or you can check me out on Facebook slash Purplehead Adventures, Instagram, or whatever other 8 million forms of social media you might use. Until then, stay tacky, San Francisco, and remember, life is not a book to be read, but a story to be told. So get out there. And remember, always, hood down and head out. <laughs>